You're listening to your Dental Top 5 podcast with Amanda Hill, informing you on the top trends in dentistry every Thursday. Brought to you by the creators of A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast. And now, here's your host, Amanda Hill. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Your Dental Top 5, where we take trending topics in dentistry and break them down into five usable highlights that you can take back to your op, your life, or just look smarter at your next dinner party. I'm your host, Amanda Hill. So today we have another listener-requested episode, and this listener asked for the top five universal instruments. And so when I thought, hmm, who do I have, who should I ask? Like, what expert? Who do I bring on to talk about instrumentation? And I, of course, Eureka knew exactly who to ask. Well, it's Whitney Howerton. I mean, Whitney is a clinician, an educator, an international speaker. I mean, she develops content that is amazing. And so, Whitney, thank you for coming on today to talk about the top five universal curettes for us today. Thank you for having me, Amanda. I'm so glad that we could get together on this topic. It's one that's uh, very, very true to my heart as a clinician and and really important for all of us with the instruments that we choose um, to provide quality care to our patients. You know, I have to say, Whitney, this is this is not my jam, and I'm so glad that it is your jam. I am probably your cliche hygienist. I'm going to call myself a cliche hygienist right now. I know the instruments that were in my cassette that I got 25 years ago at Old Dominion University. And I sort of held on to those instruments. I mean, not the exact same instruments themselves. I certainly have, you know, upgraded them with new ones, but, you know, held on to like, you know, I know how to use this one and I know how to use this one and haven't really done a great job at breaking out into other lines of instruments and other things. And so I'm really excited to hear about kind of other instruments and what they can do and why we should not be a one trick pony. Well, number one, I'm so glad that you've replaced them. Because yes. um, that's that's key. And I feel like that is the hardest thing for most clinicians to do is asking to have their instruments replaced or knowing when they should be replaced. And I would bet um, that there's probably some clinicians out there that do have their instruments from hygiene school, even if they graduated many, many years ago. Well, I so. might still have mine in the attic in a cassette. <laughs> But not in a patient's mouth. Not and, in a uh, patient's mouth. That's where the problem lies. So, but I will, I will say, Amanda, you're not alone in the fact that what you learn is what becomes your comfort zone. And, and I'll say that I'm, I was a little bit guilty of that too. Maybe, um, maybe it's maybe capitalized, maybe underlined italics because when I was a student. I was very fortunate that the university that I attended had multiple manufacturers and metals in the cassette. There was not a contract in place, which is very common now for a university or college or a program to have one manufacturer that they work with or one supplier. So I was very, very fortunate. I had multiple instruments from five different instrument manufacturers, and then I had both stainless steel and sharp and free. So that was a unique experience for me as a student that I really think helped me kind of continue to to broaden 
my horizons of what was out there in the yeah. instrument world. And then also knowing that there were multiple manufacturers, because I feel like that that's an area where we get stuck as clinicians also as we learned on one brand or one manufacturer. And then we kind of hear about the rest, but we never like look into it because we don't know them yet. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you walk into an office and they hand you, you're like, here's your cassettes. And you're just like, all right, this is just what I use. And, and I think sometimes we forget to empower ourselves as clinicians to say, no, Hey, these, this is, this is important. I need, I need, you know, the best equipment that I can, can have to treat my patients and I need a variety. And what a gift to have been able to try out different manufacturers and to try out sharp and free technology. I don't think that existed back in 96. Maybe it did. And I didn't know about it, but, um, it did. Oh no. Oh, okay. Apparently it did. Sorry guys. Uh, I just didn't know about it. Uh, I am the worst sharpener of all time though. So sharp and free is the way to go for me now. Well, I will say, I know the company that designed a Sharp and Free, or one of the companies, uh, did exist. I'd have to go back and uh, do some historical research on the exact year. So uh, I won't confirm the exact year that it existed, but the company did exist. So you you probably didn't have it, actually. So we can get some data around that, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. We'll have to save that for another podcast. Well, let's let's launch into your top five. So we're going to talk about the top five universal curettes and so what you have chosen. So what's number one? Okay. So number one, I think about defining the term universal curette because I feel like clinicians think of things differently. So when we say universal curette, it's really about the design of the instrument and the curette's ability, not only does it have a blade on both sides of each end, but it also has the ability to clean multiple surfaces of the same tooth, okay, versus an area-specific curette that is designed for a single surface or, you know, just distals or buccal, lingual, and mesial. So we have one blade per end. But then I think some clinicians, they think of the term universal or universal curette, and they're thinking anterior and posterior, meaning universal that way. And there are a lot of universal curettes that can be used in the anterior and the posterior, and it's really a preference. So when I speak to universal curettes for this purposes, it is a blade on both sides. We're talking, you know, 90 degree terminal shank to to face of the instrument, um, as opposed to being able to do the entire mouth with one instrument, even though we all know we're going to do what we want to do. You know, we're going to use that posterior and the anterior and vice versa if we want to. Because sometimes it's just too hard to pick up a different instrument. Yes. Yes. Or sometimes, you know, I will tell you something that I used to teach my students, you know, maybe when they were in their last term or almost in their last term or semester of their program, I would say, all right, let's get your Gracie one, two. Let's identify your correct cutting edge and let's do some horizontal strokes on the maxillary buckle, especially if they had a patient that had like a limited oral opening, then they could do that horizontal stroke and like work their way out of the mouth. And then it was just like full blown panic because the Gracie one, two was only for the anterior and Don't what, break was, the rules. what was Miss Howerton doing? And I'm like, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to stand right here with you. So, um. Yeah, we're going to break the rules when we want to, as long as we're doing it safely and using the correct cutting edge Absolutely. with a sh- with a sharp or sharp and free instrument and also being mindful of our ergonomics. Check, check. So many things to remember. So, <laughs> so many. many. 
so many things. So when we look at curettes, I think for this, uh, the purpose of all of us having our own favorites, let's talk about curette categories like the Barnhart family, the Columbia family, um, the Rules family, or the McCall family. So let's talk about groups of universal curettes as opposed to maybe individual ones. And then I'll still reveal some of my favorite individual ones at the good. end. How about that? Good, good. Okay, perfect. So uh, let's talk about let's talk about co- the Columbia family first. So I really feel like for me as a clinician, and I'd love to know what you think too about this, Amanda. I think for me as a clinician, when I went through dental hygiene school, the Columbia 1314 was like super popular. My favorite. Yep. It's definitely in my top five. Okay. So it's also in my top five, but I do feel like as my years of clinical practice have progressed that like the Barnhart five, six is gaining traction. Mm. Do you use a bar? Have you ever used a Barnhart? I, I, you know what? I only did when you mailed me one. Oh, okay. Well, for those of you that don't know, Amanda and I are also friends. Yes. <laughs> Both personally and professionally. <laughs> so, okay, the Barnhart 5-6. Well, well, we'll get to Barnharts. So let's let's go back to the Columbia family. Okay, so if we think about the Columbia family as universal curettes, the Columbia 1314 is very popular. It's in all of my kits. It's in your kits, and it's probably in the majority of the listeners' kits and other clinicians um, that we meet. One thing that's great about the Columbia that I like is that it has a nice short terminal shank. So it's very similar in design to a 204S, except it has a rounded toe instead of a pointed tip. And the 204S might be another one of my top five. Also one of my top five, if we were talking sickles, maybe we record that one okay. another day. Yes. Because I, I love a good sickle. I love sis. a good sickle. We can have and a I whole... Can, and with my poor sharpening technique, I can make a curette <laughs> sickle pretty fast. That would be the case for a lot of people. Sharp like, and free, you know, baby. Sharp and free. Yes. Or if our sickle's dull, we just turn a curette into a sickle because yeah. we can. And Oops. maybe we need to. <laughs> so uh, the Columbia 1314 has a really nice short terminal shank. Uh, again, very similar to a 204S, except it has that rounded toe instead of that pointed tip. So it's a very common universal curette that a lot of clinicians love. Also in the Columbia family, and I think sometimes it's like regionally specific, like where we went to school or the instruments that our instructors chose for our kits, right? Because we didn't get to build our own kit, or or maybe some of you did, maybe some of you did, depending on where you went to school. Um, But also in the Columbia family, you have the Columbia 4R, 4L, and you have the Columbia 2R, 2L. So the difference in those designs is that the Columbia 4R4L has a longer terminal shank than the 1314. So it's really, really great for like maximum reach in the posterior. When you think about adapting a posterior curette to like the distal of a tooth, how you kind of have to fulcrum, adapt, and then open your blade or bring that terminal shank away from the tooth so your cutting edge adapts, it's kind of already done that for you. It has a really nice open bend in the shank, so it's kind of already like dove to the distal. 
So it's a cool one. It's a really cool one. And then the Columbia 2R2L has an a little bit longer shank. And the, the difference with the Columbia the two the 2R2L and the 4R4L, as opposed to some of the other universal curettes, is they do have um a little bit wider blade. So that's also a preference that we think about as a clinician. Do we like a shorter blade? Do we like a longer blade, a more narrow or thin blade, or do we like a thicker blade? So they do have a little bit wider blade, uh, but they also have a much longer terminal shank. So they're great for accessing the distals and they're great for accessing um, somewhat deeper pockets, even especially in the posterior. So that's yeah, like the Columbia family. When you have those that recession, you know, you just, oh my gosh, you know, you have that clinical loss of attachment. You don't necessarily even have a pocket, but oh my gosh. Yeah. And they're yes. for that. Yes, because other instruments with a shorter shank, when you have the bone loss, the bone and tissue loss, right? And you don't have the pocket there, you really have to be creative with your adaptation. Yeah. And, and my your ergonomics go to, go to yeah. pot. Yep. <laughs> we kind of, yeah. we kind of forget about that. Yeah. So, um, yes, thing instruments with longer terminal shanks or more open bends are great for the posterior, you know, when there is or is not that additional bone loss. So that would be like my first family of universal okay. curettes would be like the Columbia family. Okay. All right. So what's the next one? So my next one would be the Barnhart family. And I feel like we're going through a family tree here. I the know. Columbia, I know. The I Columbia. Kinda, <laughs> kind of picturing this, like at Columbia, yes. we've got coffee going over here. We've got the barn yep. we've got the farm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly right. So uh, with the Barnhart family, and I will say again, I'm a fan of a Barnhart 5.6. And the reason why I like the Barnhart 5.6 is because it has a similar design as a maybe an M23 sickle but it has a curved toe instead of a pointed tip. Um, it also has a longer terminal shank than the Columbia 1314. So if you don't like a 204S, because there are clinicians that are out there that don't like one, and you prefer an M23 as a sickle, as like a posterior sickle, then your Barnhart 5.6 would be your curette version of that. So a really nice long terminal shank. And when I say long shanks, I'm not referring to like extended shanks, deep pockets, or after fives. Those are a whole nother category in the family tree, right? They're like the cousins and the, right. the extended aunts One, and uncles, you know? Removed. Yeah, <laughs> yes. twice removed, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So longer terminal shanks, but not extended shanks. But uh, the Barnhart 5.6, is one of my favorites for um, the posterior posterior use, but also in the Barnhart family is a Barnhart 1-2. And I feel like this one doesn't get uh, maybe the love that it deserves sometimes. So the Barnhart 5-6 versus the Barnhart 1-2, it's more about the uh, the length of the terminal shank and the thickness of the blade. So when you look at a Barnhart 1-2, if you want a little bit thinner blade, that would be your Barnhart 1-2. Your 5-6 is going to be a tad bit wider, but we're not talking the biggest curettes because right. some of the, like, we're not talking like a U15 version of a curette. That's kind of like the McCall family, I feel like a little bit. All right. So what's number three then? Okay. So number three, I would go to the Langer family. And I will say this, if you love a Gracie, 
However, you often find yourself struggling with flipping ends, with adaptation of your terminal shank, trying to figure out which end is correct. You could go with the Langers. They have a very similar shank design as the Gracie's, except you have a universal blade on both sides. So that's that's where I think a lot of people, depending on, again, where you went to school or how you learned, you didn't even know about the Langers or maybe you saw them in a catalog and you just thought they were another version of a Gracie. They look very similar as far as like their bends and their shank design, but you have a blade on both sides. So there are Langer 1-2s, which would um, be used in the place of a Gracie 1112. There's a Langer 3-4 that would be used in the place of like a Gracie 1314. Um, there's a Langer 5 that has a really nice straight terminal shank for like the anterior, but it has a blade on both sides. So you would use that in place of a Gracie 1-2. And then there are even, there are more instruments in the Langer family. It's very robust, like the Gracie family. So there's a Langer 5-6, there's a 17-18. So the Langer family would be probably my my top three family of curettes. All right, but, but we're your dental top five. So what's number four? Okay, so... The number four family, it's a toss-up, you guys. Um, I really like the Younger Goods, but now the Younger Good family is not as um, extended yet. The tree has not the tree has not extended any new branches. They so need to get on Match.com and meet they, Maybe that's a great idea. So I really like the Younger Good. Um, it is a 7-8. So I actually had a Younger Good in my cassette as a student. I've so never then, heard of this one in my life. Ooh, okay. So this one's really cool, you guys. If you haven't tried a younger good, what's different about the younger good um, as opposed to some of the other families that we've talked about is that it has a really nice curved terminal terminal shank. So when we look at the Columbias, when we look at the Barnharts, and when we look at the Langers, the terminal shank is is very nice and straight. When you look at the younger good family, it is a curved terminal shank. So it's really great for adaptation to the linguals, like when you're doing horizontal strokes or even oblique strokes on the linguals of the posterior. Maybe not as easy to adapt to the direct buckles of the posterior, but it's really great for doing those nice, uh, nice, horizontal and oblique strokes on the lingual. I'm thinking so. of that patient that has those teeth that tip in, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? And you're like, and you're like, you're almost coming at them from like the total opposite side and you're fulcruming on the, like the weird. So maybe this yes. would be, this would be really good for that then. You could, you could probably use this for that. Now it doesn't have a very long terminal shank. Okay. So if you needed, if you needed the length of the shank and you wanted the curve of the shank, then you would go to the McCall family. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there you would go, go to the, yep, you, you would go to the- Went right the Mac- into number five. <laughs> yes, Good job. number five, the McCall family. So you would kind you would go into the McCall family. You would get that curve of the terminal shank, but you would get a little bit more length. But now I will say the McCalls are traditionally- a little bit larger instrument, so um, a wider blade than what you might be used to with some of the more recent designs. 
And when I say recent, I mean like, you know, 90s, I guess, you know, or even even prior yeah, to that. No, the 90s were just like yesterday. Don't worry. Oh, for sure. So uh, you'd still get the curve of the shank, but you're going to get a, a wider, a wider blade. And then there are a couple different McCall's. Um, predominantly, most people, I think, are familiar with maybe the McCall 1718. Maybe the most familiar one with that one. Um, there are companies that also make a McCall with a sickle tip. So if you if you like that point, um, you can get them a call. It'd be like a 1718S. You'll see the letter S there to identify or signify that it's a sickle. So a lot of people like that, that McCall 1718. So those would be my, my top five families. But now I'll also say this, because we're all so different. You also have the Rules family. You have the Ratcliffe family that all have really amazing universal curettes that that we as clinicians could use to provide quality care to our patients. So there are more than five families of of universal curettes, but but those would be my top five families. Okay, so what are your top five instruments, Whitney Howerton? Oh man. We okay. wanna know. <laughs> I want to give know. it to you. Well I want to know too sometimes I think. <laughs> I know I know the ones you know we're so we pick up what we like. Yeah. So I pick up my Barnhart 5.6 on literally every single patient. So Barnhart 5.6 in my top five. I show it love on a regular basis. And then a, a Columbia 13.14 definitely makes the top five. It was in my kit as a student and has remained in my kits as a practicing clinician. Um, even to this day, when I still practice, it's in a kit. Now, I traditionally don't have both of them in the same kit because I don't always need both of them, right? So I might pick up a kit that has a Barnhart 5.6, and then I surprise myself, and my next kit has a Columbia 13.14. I'm like, woo, you know. So Barnhart 5.6, Columbia 13.14. Um, I, th- I say coming in at a smooth number three would be my younger good, 7.8. I don't find that I that I replace it as often. So I do catch myself picking up those other instruments more frequently, but I do love a good younger good seven, eight, just because that curve, that curve of the terminal shank makes a difference. Um, I try to think about, I know this episode is about curettes, but if you love a, a Nevi, like a Nevi two, the curve of that shank, that would be your younger good except it has a toe. So think about if you're familiar with that family, then you're familiar with that kind of curve of the shank. So my younger good would come in at a a solid number three. Then it's kind of a toss up, sis, kind of a toss up. Um, I love a Langer five for the anterior. Um, Nothing against my Gracie's. But I love a good Langer five. I also love a good Langer five in an implant instrument because it has a really nice long terminal shank. And if they have an anterior instrument or an implant rather, or if they have like a implanted bridge on the anterior, they're so hard. hard. And I love the length of the shank of the Langer 5 in a stainless steel sharp and free or implant instrument. So that would that would be a solid number four for me. And then number five, it's a tie, okay. but I, I think I would go go with the Columbia 4R4L. Okay. Because it's like 
and this is this is Whitney Howerton, my personal opinion. There's no facts behind this. It's all good. Okay, no facts behind this. I envision or I I think of a Columbia 4R 4L like the Barnhart 56 and a Gracie 1314 got married. They got on match.com. They got on match.com and they had a new branch. So like that's how I think about the 4R4L. I like the openness in the bend. I like the depth that I can achieve going toward the posterior, especially for those distal surfaces. So I really, I really like that, that good Columbia uh, 4R4L. And then, I, I mean, I could maybe say it's tied with a Barnhart one too. I don't find myself using that one as often, but that's still a great instrument that doesn't get the use and recognition that it deserves. And there's nothing like an instrument in your kit that you don't use as often. You pick it up and you're like, oh man, this one's so sharp. It's ready yes. to go. Yes. So, it's yeah. always new. <laughs> it's always good. All right. Well, let's review your top five universal correct families in our family tree. So we have the Columbias. And number two, we have the Barnhearts. Then we have the Langers. Then we have the Younger Goods. And number five is the McCalls. Well, Whitney, thank you for coming on today and telling us all about instruments. Man, this is not my wheelhouse. And I'm so glad to have friends like you that are in this wheelhouse. It's so awesome. Thank you, Amanda. I enjoyed this. And maybe maybe we do one on sickles or we do one on sharp and free and stainless steel we could go we could go a lot of places I'm, with I'm just picturing this family tree i cannot stop thinking about a tree i'm gonna start drawing it out we're gonna figure i was it gonna out. say we'll have a sketch for the next episode yes yes a nice You'll visual see some show notes everyone <laughs> well everyone we all know that only four out of five dentists could agree so if you have something to add to this top five and i'm sure many of you do or you have an idea for a whole nother top five, email me at amandahillrdh at gmail.com and we'll be sure to include your dental top five. Make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of your dental top five. Be sure to join us next Thursday to hear more from Amanda. 